This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. Oh man, here we are, week four of the quarantine, but we're still with you. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always for 400 and one episodes, my co-host, my friend, Chris Sinzak. How's it going, brother? Sounding good this week. What, what's going on? I figured out how to use a microphone. It only took me nine years. Awesome. So you ain't got no cars peeling out or nothing this week or anything? No, I'm back at the house today. <laughs> That's so funny <laughs> listening back to that because it sounded like whatever we were talking about, you were outraged. You just left the conversation. Peel <laughs> well, out. I was. But yeah, I mean, the quarantine sucks. Everybody knows it. Hopefully everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing to keep each other safe out there. And that means just staying home and listening to fine podcasts like the one you're listening to right now and staying safe. That's what we're doing. We're still under quarantine. But the cool thing is, is I think these quarantine sessions have turned out pretty good and they've been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's a different format for us, a little bit looser, but uh, more interactive. And I think we've we've had a good time talking talking to the listeners, having all these special guests on, and we uh, have another great guest today. Yeah, we do our good old friend Hollywood. That's right, Sonny Pooney's back with us today. But we're going to cover all kinds of crazy subjects. Whatever's on your mind is what we're talking about here today, and Sonny's going to help us do that. But before we jump into all the fun quarantine festivities, we got to take care of our business. And our business, well, think about this, all the time you've got now just to write reviews and recommendations for the Decibel Geek Podcast. If you got the time, we'd appreciate you doing it. We've got one this week. But it's good, and I like it. I especially like this title. It's an Apple Podcast review. It's called The Best Rock Pod Out There. Mmm. Good God, y'all. Five stars goes like this. These guys create enjoyable shows with added bonus of having music, both old and new. Keep up the great work. That comes to us from Synth, and it's from all the way in New Zealand. That's pretty cool. Real cool. I like that a lot. It was a good episode last week, and uh, I loved uh, getting under Joe Polo's skin because Joe Polo being frustrated is one of the most entertaining things in the <laughs> podcasting world. <laughs> yeah, but he is the best, man. We love that guy, and we had so much fun with him last week. And I know all the people that loved it so much last week, they just couldn't wait to get out there on the Internet and share and retweet last week's episodes. And that's what makes them this week's Geeks of the Week. Yeah, Geeks of the Week this week are James McElhenney, Decibel Geek TV, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Mike Parnell, Mike Grabowski, James West, Craig Turdich, Cobras and Fire Podcasts, Baco, Cool World, James Brendan Dunn, Gino Ames, Kevin Williams, Kristen Schimbeck, Adam Cox, Scott Crouch, Trevor McDougall, Sitting Small Joe, Jeffrey Mendenhall, J- Jay Shabluski, Aaron Baker, Steve Wright, Potter Than Hell Podcast, Eric Luzier, Sean Cullen, Bill Elam, David Glenn, Ace Van Deuce, Graham Thompson, Goosa, Hannah Klitzberg, Sonny Pooney, Jeff Taylor, Michael King, Ernesto Aguiar, Chips Enough shared it, oh, uh, wow. Pat Catalano, Eladio, David Cathy, Robin the Hood, and as always, the Mooger Fooger. Fooger, baby, you know it. Gotta love the people that share and retweet. I can't believe it. Sonny Pooney and Chips Enough shared it. We've arrived. Yeah, we have. What's going on, Sonny? Oh, man, I, I heard you guys needed a sacrificial lamb, so I figured I'd join. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think you were volunteered. I was voluntold, but I figured I can't do worse than Ian, so. <laughs> well, we'll save that till the end. Yeah, we're going to do a big game show at the end with Chris versus Sonny in rock and roll trivia. I've got all the questions lined up for it. I've got some good ones this week. I'm thinking I'm going to stump you guys on the kiss round. I don't think right. either one of you are going to get your questions right. Oh, boy. That should be interesting. So that's where it becomes right. the show becomes a challenge for me is because now it's like I have to come up with really hard kiss questions. And that's tough to do because I know you guys are crazy and know everything about kiss. Well, I'm, uh, I will say my weak spot is always like, and this is Sonny's strong suit, is like billboard chart position and stuff like that. He's great at that stuff. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm more of just a general knowledge guy. You guys are both in big trouble today. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all man. right. You guys want to get some of the questions? We got some cool kiss ones left over from last week. We've got a, just a mixed bag of all kinds of different stuff. I mean, I've got the list right in front of me. You want me to curate it again this week? Sure, let's go. Yeah, All sounds right. good. All right, guys. Sonny, i got to say, man, it's awesome to have you on here again. I missed you, brother. Oh, man, it's it's great to be back. Uh, you know, it's, it sucks about the Rockin' Pod because yeah. we'd all see each other, and uh, it was a, kind of the one time a year where we saw each other anyway. And, you know, we just – the country's got to get to back to normal at some point. It's just a matter of time, right? Right. Yeah. Wait. All right, speaking of that, Adam Cox is top of the list right here. Our main man, Coxie, over at the Facebook page, Decibel Geek. You know it. If you're not a part of that, you're missing out on some good stuff over there. He says he's a bit behind on the podcast right now because he's not commuting at the moment. But he's interested to know if we'd do an unsigned, an unsigned bands episode and have bands submit demo songs to be considered. That works for me. It works for me, too. I need music now more than ever, you know, since we're staying away from the big guys. You know, we don't want to piss nobody off. We need the up-and-comers now more than ever. So all these years that we've been doing things like Fresh Blood and, you know, talking about new bands, we're always going to worship the legends. We're always going to give them their due. But now it's more important than ever, I think, to concentrate on the up-and-coming bands and, you know... We've done, we're Decibel Geek. We've been around for a long time, you know. We're doing episode 401 today. We need your help. Send us some good music that we can play on the show, and we're more than happy to give you the props and the promotion for it. Yeah, we should maybe try to come up with some sort of, maybe do like a battle of the bands of stuff that gets sent in and let the listeners vote on it or something like that. That's a cool idea. I like that. Yeah, we'll give that a shot. But yeah, we that's one thing we're steering more towards is playing independent artists because of the obvious issues we had with Spotify and trying to play by the rules more, but it's just a, that much more of an opportunity to discover new stuff. So yeah, I, I'd love to do that. I'm just waiting for Sonny to start a band. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a major talent issue with that. Uh, oh, no. I've, oh, I've, seen yeah. you sing, I've seen you sing John Mellencamp. You've got some pipes. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's uh, karaoke. The secret is do a song you can do, and then everybody thinks you can do everything else. Yeah, then no, that doesn't work that way. So that's not the definition of going full Mellencamp, then? Uh, yeah, no, that's not the definition. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, Jamie Roberts kind of has a similar question. Have you guys considered playing a song or doing song reviews for unsigned bands with short interviews for promoting them? Just a thought. You know, that's kind of what decibelgeek.com is all about. You know, that's why we got writers. Do we still have writers? 
<laughs> most of them moved over to CGCM podcast. I like, think they poached most of I them from us. But, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I think we need to put out the word for more writers. If you yeah. want to write for us, uh, email us. Tell you what, write up your own review and send it to us <laughs> of your own <laughs> band, and you know, tell us how great it is, and you know, interview yourself and type it up and send it in. We'll put it on decibelgeek.com. This might be the greatest uh, band of all I'll time. tell you, it helped me because uh, I started out as a writer for you guys, and it helped me be more confident about what I would share on a podcast. Uh, now, I don't obviously write as much anymore because I don't have the time, but uh, it definitely did help me kind of put my foot into the podcasting world without having to be on mic first. Right. Right on. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, it was, you know, and it's always, we just viewed it as a, like a, a channel for people to kind of get their feet wet with writing for stuff. And, you know, we're, we're pretty hands off, you know, may, you know, and that maybe that's why most of them jump ship, but I don't know. But, uh, yeah, if you're interested in writing, you know, want to get access to some shows and stuff and you can get media credentials through it, uh, you know, email us decibelgeek at gmail.com and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you about it. I guess it helps when you got a guy running your website and, handling all that for you and he's actually got his own website and is doing the same thing <laughs> yeah yeah and i don't blame it rich Dillon did a, yeah. a great job for us no, for many years a ton of stuff for us yeah so we're we're more than appreciative of him and wish him and wally all the best happy birthday guys by the way yeah. it's their birthday this weekend right on awesome uh let's see which is the best pink floyd album oh i'm not a big pink floyd fan i guess i guess i'd probably that's Still have to go with Dark Side of the Moon for myself. Sonny, you like Pink Floyd? Absolutely cannot stand Pink Floyd. <laughs> Can't stand them. It Not just at all. Uh, that progressive rock songs that last eighty three minutes. Yeah. I just uh, I can't do it. Uh, whichever one had another brick in the wall is probably the only song I can tolerate. Yeah, that's probably the one I'm going to go with, too. I'm going to go with The Wall, but I actually like Pink Floyd. I mean, I'm I'm kind of like a picker and a chooser when it comes to Pink Floyd because I'd say they're one of those bands that are maybe around 50-50, where like 50% of their stuff is badass. Oh, man, that's even giving it some for me because I like, remember way back when we did the heavier side of Pink Floyd episode? Yep. Those are the songs I like, you know? That's mm-hmm. the stuff I dig, and there's not a whole lot of that with Pink Floyd. But as far as being weird and creative and coming up with new things, I mean, The Wall was such a big part of my childhood, and I wasn't even old enough to be knowing that stuff when it came out, but I got it later. I got to go with The Wall. I like the Roger Waters stuff, you know, and uh, it's got some some heavy rocking guitars on it in parts. I will say I have a soft spot for the Division Bell because I, I saw them on that tour and I remember buy, that was an album I bought on release day. I kind of got caught up in the the hype because there was a lot of hype about that record, and um, they played here at Vanderbilt Stadium and I, I remember going to that show. I, I still dig that record, but yeah, I'm kind of along the lines of you guys, and I, I really can't stand the Sid Barrett era of the band. No. That stuff's just a little too weird for yeah. me. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we got some leftover Kiss questions from last week. I know we all like Kiss. So Scott Crouch, who's celebrating a birthday today as we actually read this. Happy birthday, Scott. This one I might think is directed towards Sonny. So why is Asylum the best Kiss album? Uh, (laughs) Okay, for me, it's where I came in. So, you know, you've heard Paul say before, it's 
what uh, you know what floor did you get on the elevator and for me i got on in 80 late 84 early 85 asylum was my first tour um i love the music of that era and asylum fit right in so bruce's guitar work plus paul's vocal between like basically 80 and God, you could almost say 91 is almost untouchable in that style of music. That's why Asylum is the best for me. I mean, people like to give Asylum a lot of shit, but when you really break it down, you know, song for song, I mean, it's to me, it's way better than Crazy Nights. It's way better than Hot in the Shade. I don't know. I put it, it's hard to even, Asylum might even be better than Animal Eyes. I would say so, and I used to think the other way around. I used to always like Animalize better, yeah. but as I think Asylum's almost aged better, and it has some of the riffs on Asylum have more, harkened back more to the '70s, to in my opinion. Um, and Eric Eric Carr's drumming is incredible on it, and also, as Sonny said, Bruce's uh, lead playing on the, that's his first full album playing lead on, and I think it it makes a difference. I, I love I love his solos on that whole record. Yeah, I don't think Asylum gets its due for sure. I think it's the weird album cover. I think that's what it is. I think we, before you even listen to it, you see it and go, eh, they should have made a really cool album cover for that. People will probably look at it totally differently. Yeah. Sonny, do you like the album cover? No, I didn't. It just, it, uh, how do you explain this? So, you know how sometimes you'll see an album cover and you go, okay, from that album cover, I can tell what kind of music this is going to be. That isn't one of those album covers. And I don't know whose idea it was, but it's not a great idea. It was Paul's. It was in there because he said there was was an album by the band, The Motels, that he liked the way the cover looked. It was their their version of that, basically. But it's like, you're doing a heavy metal record, so yeah, let's copy an album cover by The Motels. What the fuck? Hmm. Yeah, just not not cool at all. Yeah. And you're not a fan of the, the look from that era? No, you know, it probably fits in because uh, I remember seeing Motley doing theater and going, I remember dry, getting driven to the show thinking there's no way they could be dressed like they're dressed on the videos. We're going to see the shout of the devil, Motley, right? And then we get there and it's like, oh my God, guys, what the hell happened to you? Yeah. But it was of the time, right? I, I was, uh, what, 14, 15 at the time. So I wasn't dressing like that because I wasn't really a, you know, grown up teenager yet, but I guess when you look back, there was a lot of those guys. Yeah, that was just the times and bright colors, and you know it was it was the eighties, man. <laughs> did, did, do you guys ever wonder? Because remember when Vinnie Vincent Invasion came out, they were like glam to the max. Do you ever wonder if Vinnie saw what Paul and Gene were doing with their look for Asylum? It was like, oh yeah, well I'll out glam you, and that was why he did that. Makes sense based on the things we've learned. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I didn't think about that before. I'm just surprised, you know, even whether whether Gene is not involved at this point or he's busy doing movies or blah, blah, blah. He still has to worry about a movie career, at least, if nothing else. I'm surprised he signed up to put on all that rouge and shit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, he might be concentrating on his career, but he's still picking out his own clothes, I think. Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> that's on purpose. <laughs> All right, here's one from last week we didn't get to. Nate Atchison, Bushy. An awesome show, The Plug. Check it out. He'd like to know why Paul didn't stick with the bandit makeup. It's just so much better than the star over his eye. What would you guys think of the bandit makeup? 
Uh, I'm not crazy about it. I never thought it, it didn't really suit his personality. And I mean, I know the whole story is that Neil Bogart suggested it because he thought Paul looked too effeminate. And uh, Paul basically just did it as a, as a basically just to, to, basically just caved into Neil, just saying, okay, I'll give it a shot. And he wore, I think he wore it for like two shows. But it just, I don't think it works for his look. It's interesting as an oddity to look at, but I think the look of just the single star just, it suits him a lot better. I'm one of the few that actually love the bandit makeup. And uh, there's something about having something over both eyes that works for me better. Now, two stars, you know, you can't go out there looking like, what was that bassist guy's name? Was Bootsy that Collins. Yeah, you can't be out there looking like Bootsy. Um, only Bootsy can rock that. But uh, I, I really like the band of makeup. I think it would have worked. I, I, You know, the personality behind the makeup is going to be the personality it is. And whether it's the star child or the love bandit, I guess it doesn't technically matter but i'm a huge lone ranger fan so that's why it kind of connected with me i can dig it i always like when i was a kid looking back at those pictures and not understanding you know because i came into them as a young kid you know when those albums were coming out probably 79 78 around in there my first i remember seeing my aunt pam brought home double platinum you know and it was brand new but i was just little and so i'd see these things and not understand and in the one book where it had the booklet inside was it Alive 2 had the Evolution of Kiss book in it. Yeah. And you look back at them old pictures with the weird makeup, and, you know, you think, wow, you know, it, this is so weird. But I always thought it was cool looking. And like Sonny says, you know, it's, it becomes whatever. You know, it, it becomes the character that is Paul Stanley cranked to 11. But I thought it looked cool. It looked better than the star over the eye. But I don't – I can't imagine – if he'd have gone on with that, I guess you just wouldn't know no different. So, yeah, either way, I guess. I'll respectfully disagree. I like it all. All right. James West, he'd like to hear our thoughts on why they never went back with Eddie Kramer. Everything they did with him was gold. Sonny, what do you think of that? Uh, you know, conspiracy theory-wise, it could be as simple as they didn't all see eye to eye. It could be he, you know, helping Ace's album. I was just gonna say because um, Eddie Kramer was an Ace guy, and they didn't yeah. want to use the Ace guy no more. Uh, and it could be just Paul wanting control and doesn't want anybody helping him after a while. Uh, but I'm, I'm with. I, I think they would have been better off with Eddie. Just let Eddie do everything. And, uh, you know, it worked for a lot of artists that are out there still releasing music, even though they're dead. Um, but, uh, Eddie does have a golden touch. There's no doubt. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, he, if you listen to the, just the, the first album demos that they did with him before they did the first record, those demos bury what Kerner and Wise did on the, on the record. I mean, those demos. there's no comparison. And then, you know, they finally got to do a real proper studio record with them with rock and roll over. And that a lot of us, you know, that's just a great album. Um, you know, it's, it's a Paul Stanley thing, I'm sure. Cause, and I still cannot believe that Paul Stanley still says, Eddie's just an engineer. He's not really a producer. That just boggles my mind that he would say something like that. I mean, ask Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin, if Eddie Kramer's just an engineer, right? Yeah, There's also a doc- documentary coming out on him soon, I heard. On Eddie Kramer? Yeah, it got announced this week. Oh, nice. I'd like to see that. Here's another one from James West. 
and he's man last couple of weeks man he's kept us up in questions i love him he's got an inquisitive mind and he's got good ones do you think creatures would have been received as well as lick it up if they'd taken off the makeup for creatures I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, definitely. I think they were late in taking off the makeup. They should have took off the makeup for Creatures of the Night, and it would have been a jump start for them before. You know, they, they could have done it then. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it wouldn't have worked at the Elder because it's way too different. You do it at Creatures, it works. If you don't do it at Lick It Up, Lick It Up doesn't sell as well. Right. There's a double-edged sword there. Like uh, Whether we want to agree or disagree, and I get it, the Kiss Army is totally divided on this thing, but any album except for basically the Elder and probably Unmasked that they take off the makeup was going to do well. There was absolutely no doubt in my mind, and uh, Creatures would definitely work. I think it would it would have done better without the makeup, obviously. I don't know if it would have been received as well because, I don't know, I mean... I Love It Loud is catchy to a point, but it plods, and I think Lick It Up was the perfect song to to go unmasked with, and it it's just way more radio-friendly. Um, now, obviously, both records, pound for pound, are both pretty heavy, so but I do think it would definitely do better. I don't know if it would do quite as well as Lick It Up did. So you don't think if they would have took off the makeup, made the big deal about it, you know, unmasked for the world like they did on M- on MTV for Creatures of the Night, then maybe, like, uh, I Still Love You couldn't have became a huge hit? I'm not saying it couldn't have. I'm just saying off my own intuition, I just think Lick It Up was the right song to, to go with, with for that because it was more, it just had a more catchy radio vibe to it, and I think it was more palatable to people to listen to that than something heavier. And I know I Still Love You is a good ballad. I'm just I'm just telling you my gut reaction. Yeah. Do you think Lick yeah. Up people associated that with Kiss because of Gene's tongue? Like they remembered Gene Simmons was the guy in Kiss with the long tongue. You know, everybody knew him, everybody seen him. And then Kiss, without their makeup, they come out with this song, Lick It Up. And it's, you know, it kind of reminds you of Kiss because of that. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I think it, it's, it was a stroke of genius to have a song called Lick It Up be the first Kiss song without makeup. It was, it's like a, kind of like a bridge connecting one era to another. Yeah, yeah but Aaron, I think you were on the right track with I Still Love You also because they missed the boat later on too. Like you could have re-released that on Crazy Nights. You could have either re-released the same version or do a new version on Smashes and it would have been the bang zone of every ballad on the planet that was hot at the time and it would have been a huge hit and i don't know why they didn't bring it back yeah yeah i will i will say that they still also missed a huge golden opportunity to release a million to one as a single that song would have been a hit i have no doubt yeah i mean it was comparatively to other songs that they were kind of emulating the bands that were getting hits with songs like that those songs by kiss were better than the songs coming out by Bon Jovi, even though Bon Jovi's making ten times the money kisses off those songs. Yeah, and I think a million to one just it stacks up with anything that was released on the radio in nineteen eighty three. That song should have been released as a single with a real promotional push behind it. I know Sonny agrees with me. We we both love that song. Oh yeah, super love that song. And I think that's where Paul controlling things gets kinda in the way, although he sang the song, right? There was mm-hmm. something with all hell's breaking loose and lick it up that he liked better. And I'm not saying lick it up shouldn't have been released, but 
but I'm with you. 83, a million to one, that thing is a huge hit. So this one kind of ties in with what we're talking about. Eric Hernandez asks, maybe it's been answered before. Maybe everyone except me knows. I still want to know what's the story behind the album cover, The Creatures Without the Makeup. But I think that kind of goes hand in hand with what we're saying about how, you know, once Kiss took off the makeup and started getting a couple of hits under their belt after that, then they did what, like I said, they should have done originally and re-released Creatures that didn't sell that well with Kiss on the cover without makeup to kind of pull that album into This Is Us Now, you know? Capitalizing on their newfound fame of being an unmasked band. Yeah, I mean, you, you you nailed it. I mean, that's it just tells you how much the guys in the band believed in that record and thought Creatures deserved another shot now that people are looking at them in a different light. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's the same. Uh, it's the same deal. They're trying to make it big, but again could have released a single with it and it would have been a re-release and if you release the ballad we're still talking about 85 86 at the time yeah still huge yep. yeah see yeah if they were re-releasing the album with a new cover they should have maybe took the time to say here's a new single to go along with it to kind of call attention to it and give i still love you another shot at the radio all kinds of what ifs when you start talking about kiss man what a rabbit hole guy can go down jeez yeah. Uh, Eric Hembry asks, I want to know why they didn't do an Alive album with Eric Carr. I think a lot of us want to know that. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I view Animalized Live Uncensored as that, basically. But yeah, it should have had an actual proper album release. Yeah, when I saw that, that's what I thought of. At least we got you know Animalized Live Uncensored with him, with the live video and all that. But yeah, it would have been nice to have an Alive 3 would have been when, when Eric was still around. Yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity. I'm sure the topic came up probably a couple of times. They're like, ah, wait, wait, wait. And then you just waited too long because Eric wasn't in the position to do it. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the things you can't never know. Well, and then also the the live album, a lot, the thing with live albums kind of became less popular in the 80s. So, you know, by the time they had finally gotten stability with the lineup with Bruce and Eric, that by that point, live albums really weren't quite as big of a deal as they were in the 70s so they're probably like oh what's the point that's true good point all right this is a kiss question i really like a lot it really made me think this comes to us from mick watkins if sonic boom had been released in 1998 with ace and peter playing on it instead of psycho circus how do you think the reaction slash success would have been same exact songs etc that's a good one because i think People would look at Sonic Boom in a totally different light if that was the case. I agree. Yeah, I'm with you. Because uh, it's the most uh, classic his sounding, I guess, um, versus some of the stuff on Psycho. But, you know, it it's if Ace and Peter play on it. Right. Like, if they're going to do the same thing they did in Psycho and play on, like, a, you know, f- 5% of the album, no. then, it, then it's really not any better than or any different than it is right now. Yeah. Psycho Circus is a freaking abomination, in my opinion. I I hate that record, and I think it's really insulting what they did to the fans with that record. Just to be honest about it, but the fact that because what it was is like, oh, we can get studio players to come in, do the songs our way, do not have to take a bunch of takes, not have to listen to Ace and Peter, and we can get back on the road because it was all used as a tool to get back onto the road. I really don't think they cared that much about putting out a great record. It was just to get back on the road, and and it was like Paul trying to push 
like a '90s Aerosmith vibe on some of these songs. And then you know, I don't know. I I could do a whole hate-filled episode just talking about Psycho Circus. I mean, all that stuff you're saying makes a lot of sense, and I was pissed when I first realized it. But I kind of, deep down, I think I kind of knew because Psycho Circus, when the album came out, man, I was so excited about it as a Kiss fan. I mean, it's the first new Kiss album with four original members and how long? You know, this is the most amazing thing ever. I'm so excited. And I get it, and I listen to it, and I kind of feel like... Well, there's a handful of songs on here that really sound like Kiss, and you know the rest of these are I don't they're weird, you know, and some of them are kind of cool, but they don't really sound like Kiss, you know. I mean, it is them, but you could kind of tell, you know, and what it would be to have that album with all four original members all contributing, you know. So that means, I guess, that Ace is singing the Tommy song, and Peter would be singing the Eric song. As weird as that is to say. But I think people, people kind of hate on that album because that's what they wished it could be. You know, imagine how good people would say Sonic Boom. I put that right up there with anything that they ever came out with. If that was the case, I gotta believe it. Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's a little bit different because of when I got on the elevator, right? Yeah. And since I didn't get on the elevator with the four originals, to me, because of when I got in. Paul was always kissed to me. So after that shit pile of Carnival of Souls, my personal opinion, I know everybody does not agree with me on that. <laughs> Wrong. To, uh, to go to Psycho Circus and that first song be the kiss that I liked from the 80s. I'm like, okay, all right. Paul singing the first song. Okay, all right. We're back to normal here. Everything's good. Uh, you know, And I really don't care if Peter or Ace are playing the song because to me, because of when I got in, Ace was Fraley's Comet. Ace wasn't Kiss. Right. Right. So I was fine with, I, I would say, half the album. I'm fine with half the album. Um, and I actually like it better than Sonic Boom, but that's just a personal preference. Oh, wow. We're so different on our opinion on that. <laughs> Man, that's a great one to think about and wind down the Kiss segment with because that's the last of the Kiss questions. Although I'm sure they're going to sneak them in here somewhere on us. Uh, here's a good one. This is a uh, couple of parter, I guess, I think. But the first part of it is, what is your favorite Weird Al Yankovic song? Hmm. <laughs> you guys big Weird uh, Al fans? I, I am to a point because I think it's funny, and my son loves Weird Al. Yeah. I liked Weird Al when I was a kid. I had a Weird Al cassette tape. I know. I would listen to that silly Dr. Demento show. Mm-hmm. I think Sunday yeah. nights, you know, and would hear all these silly songs and, you know, there it was all good, funny stuff. But to be honest with you, I haven't listened to Weird Al in a long, long time. You know, to me, Weird Al was kind of like listening to a, a Cheech and Chong cassette or something. You know, it was more of a comedy album than it was a music album because Weird Al with the accordion and stuff wasn't really what I was into. Oh, yeah. I try to think, what did I like? I, I had the Dare to be Stupid cassette tape, I think. Yeah, I would say it's a toss. For me, it's a toss up, toss up between like a surgeon and fat. Yeah, I was. I we my brother and I were really into him back in like the early '80s when he was first coming out, and there was he did an album called Weird Al in 3D, and that was the one that had uh, Eat It instead of Beat It, and uh, but I we used to listen to that record constantly, and I think. My favorite, the one I liked on that a lot was called, it was called Polka's on 45. And basically what it was like, remember the old stars on 45 
things where would they would like have it was like a it was like a musical version of like a lot of hits and they would just go from like 10 seconds of one song into the other into the other and he it was a polka version of it's a polka medley of current pop songs from the time and he would just do like a few seconds of each one and it was really really fast i that was that's probably my favorite but yeah we used to and like i remember one weekend on mtv this is really early on mtv they gave Weird Al the programming director job, like for the whole weekend. They called it Al TV. Yeah, I think and he I remember he that. played a bunch of bizarre stuff that weekend. Yeah, gotta love Weird Al. <laughs> I remember the Happy Birthday song. It's a special time of year when you eat a lot of broccoli and drink a lot of beer. Oh yeah, God, it's been a while since I've listened to his stuff. Yeah. Uh, not really a question, just comments on. Um, what rock documentaries have you enjoyed slash watched, if any, during the quarantine? I watched the ZZ Top one a, a couple of weeks ago. I really liked that one. The only thing I hated about that was it stopped in the early 80s. It was like it stopped right before Eliminator, which is when they got huge. I wanted to see you know them talk about the 80s period, but it was still interesting, though. It was cool to see how they kind of formed and interesting to see uh, video footage of Billy Gibbons with, and Dusty Hill without the beards. That yeah. was kind of interesting. Yeah, those guys were yeah. around for a while. I just watched the uh, Rush one because there was people telling me that you don't like Rush, and if you watch one of the documentaries, you'll like them better and you'll enjoy the music. Uh, the, the, the movie was good. Uh, the music still isn't. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that's beside the point. I do love. I do love the the Rush one's great. I haven't seen that one yet. Um, the other night I found myself watching the uh, the movie The Runaways with the actresses in it, and man, they really make Lita Ford look like a bitch. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that, that was a good movie, though. It is a damn good movie. You know, it's it's pretty intense. But I mean, you're watching it's like, oh man, you know, whoever whoever wrote this must really not like Lita Ford. I think that um, did Cherie Curry write that one? I can't remember. I, d- I still haven't seen that one yet. Um, I think Cherie Curry and Joan Jett are the ones who put that together. But if you're into the Runaways, there's a, a documentary they did called Edge Play years ago that's about the history of the group. And Joan Jett's not involved, but boy, it's uh, there's some serious, crazy behind the scenes stories on that documentary. So check that one out if you're interested. Hmm, I'll do that. Yeah, that movie was badass. You should check that out, too. But, again, it's kind of like the Motley Crue thing where I'm sure a ton of stuff was left out and it's kind of dramatized up for the viewer's enjoyment and all that. But it was really good. But at the end, it's like Sherry, Sherry, Curry, or Sherry Curry does this, goes on to do that, and Joan Jett goes on to do this and sell millions of records, and Kim Foley does this and goes on, and that's it. They don't mention none of the other ones. Oh, that's lame. Like, Lee Ford goes on to become the queen of metal. I was going to say, she had a damn good career. Yeah. Wow. She I would always... say, I'd say Lita Ford was more successful than Cherie Curry was. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But not as, not as successful as Joan Jett by a long shot. Well, no, she's clearly the biggest star out of all of them. Uh, let's see. That was a question or the comment came from Earl Inf. And he said, for me, I enjoyed a band called Death. That's on That's Amazon. a good one. Uh, rewatching Rush Beyond the Lighted Stage on Netflix, Beastie Boys Story on Apple Plus, and Losers Take All about the Fingers. I also semi enjoyed the ZZ Top one on Netflix. I think they left a lot out. 
Yeah, I guess they stopped in the eighties. They sure did. Yeah, it was it was odd how it just kind of ends like that. They should have kept them unless they're going to make another one. Yeah, because ZZ Top continues to come out with great music. Oh yeah, I just bought La Futura over at uh, JTB's place a couple of weeks ago. Awesome album. Yeah, I love it. All right. Gary Sharon was the wrong choice to replace Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. Not counting the obvious answer of Dave, who would you have chosen for that spot? Jeff Scott Soto. I figured Sonny was going to jump in real fast and say that. Yeah, that would have been the top of the list for me, too. I just wanted to beat him to the punch on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're talking, what, 95, right? So. I mean, you could have picked any singer that was coming out of the 80s that uh, probably wasn't doing well anymore, but I think Jeff would have rocked it the best. Well, that's hard to argue that one. My thought, and then I had to rethink it, I first I originally thought, how cool would it be if Donnie V would have been the guy? Because he's such a great singer. But then I can't imagine Donnie V and those guys being in the same room for more than 10 minutes because the Van Halen brothers are going to be like, here's the songs, sing them this way. And then I don't see Donnie V being able to do that. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a murder-suicide in the band. Right. But back then, they could have probably went, you know, blow for blow on drugs. But I don't know how the album... But I just think, like, Donnie V, with the way he sings and how awesome he is, to have Van Halen backing him. What kind of album I, would Van Halen 3 have been? I don't know if it would have worked, though. Because, like, I mean, from when we talked to him, he... He wanted to do more of the beatly Rolling Stones stuff. He wasn't into all the widdly widdly guitars. Eddie would have to change his style to fit him, yeah. I think. Unless he got them so freaking high that <laughs> he actually got to partake in the creative process with them. That'd be a wild album. I'll tell you. But you can't say Jeff Scott Soto wouldn't be the perfect answer because, I mean, professionally, ability-wise, talent, skill, you know, a perfect fit. I can't think of nobody better, really. You know, nobody's going to say Mitch Malloy. No, no, uh-uh. <laughs> he was he was almost the guy. I just saw him with Great White. It was embarrassing. Or as our friends at Cobra, our, our friends at Cobras and Fire call them the Great Whites because yeah. of Mitch's teeth. Yeah, it, it was brutal to watch. I'm telling you that that hour was tough. Well, he doesn't fit his vocal style. Doesn't fit that band at all. Uh, it wasn't the vocal style that was throwing me. It was the sparkly pants, the <laughs> ass shaking, the big hair, the great white teeth, of course. If if I, oh my God, I don't even know how he ended up in great white. Uh, honestly, that's brutal. That's a shame those guys can't get it together, man. I mean, Jack Russell has got something good going on in his end. You know, the other guys in Great White are doing their thing. They're awesome musicians, but it's like one of those magical things. Like, you guys can do okay on your own, but together, you guys put out great albums, you know, and write amazing songs. But I don't know. I wish it could just, that Great White thing bugs me because they're so good together. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, here's one for me. This is from Carlos Henriquez. He asks Aaron, what were the three biggest moments in Hulk Hogan's career? Awesome. We've finally become a full-fledged wrestling show. Oh, lovely. The moment has finally come. That's an easy one. I know the answer to this. First, it's body slamming Andre the Giant. Then it's joining the NWO. And finally, the big match with The Rock at WrestleMania. Those are the three biggest moments in Hogan's career. And you name many other wrestlers that have had moments that big, there's not really any. 
It's not the moment when he was wearing the ballerina tutu in nope, that movie? Nope, that's not the one. I don't remember that. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, what do you know about Hulk Hogan? Uh, oh, I knew that question was going to get included. <laughs> uh, Sonny, did you prefer to see Hulk Hogan in, in Metallica? Oh, what was that? I'm sorry. So, did you would you have preferred to see Hulk Hogan get the spot as the bass player in Metallica? Uh, no, no, not that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a huge wrestling guy. I, I, I tried it when I was young, and I'm like, I don't know why everybody's into this. And as I'm getting older, it seems like there's a lot of Kiss fans that are also into wrestling. I'm not exactly sure what where the tie is, but uh, I never understood it. I think it's the the showmanship of it all, the the over the top entertainment, the getting a little bit of everything. Because like in wrestling, you get drama, comedy, violence, you know, all the different aspects of the spectrum of emotion that you could get out of one thing. Whereas also with Kiss, you're getting the music, you're getting the the vision, you know, the characters, the the guys in the band, the you know, all these different things. So I think it's it's the over top over the top entertainment of them both you know i think it's easy for a wrestling fan to like to love kiss and i think it's easy for a kiss fan to go i love wrestling too i think that's how it works well that makes sense all right here's one from our good friend jay shablewski he asks well no question just a great big thank you to you and all the shows you inspired bummer we won't see you all this year but that makes next year all the more worth it. Rock on. Talking about rock and pie. Now he's missing us this summer. Well, thank you, Jay. Jay's an awesome guy. He's come to every rock and pod so far. And yeah. um, I hope to have some news on a new date for rock and pod in the next week or so. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm missing everybody. I hate this damn thing. I hate being stuck at home. I'm having fun recording with you guys, but then every once in a while I look up and remember I'm in a room by myself. <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. It's true. I mean, like, it's the funny thing is, like, podcasting is like it's like our only source of the outside world. It's been fun to have people on every week. It's finally like it's like kind of virtually getting to hang out with somebody. So yeah, it's nice to actually still be able to do it. Exactly. All right. Here's one from Rob Harris. Do you think bands are using this time off to write some killer new tunes? And will there be an explosion of new music coming out in the near future? <laughs> Hell yeah. Sure. sure hope so. Well, the way with technology, the way it is today where people can just record at home. I mean, and there's so many bands and artists that are doing just, you know, hey, I'm sitting in my house. Let me rip off the uh, rip out the solo to uh, Unholy for you real quick and tell you all about it. And I love stuff like that. That's the only good thing about the quarantine is that all the rock stars got to stay home and put awesome stuff online. But you got to know that they're all doing it. They all got to be writing songs right now. I bet you we're going to see a huge explosion the second part of this year and into next year of great new music coming out. By the way, before we start recording today, I was listening to the brand new Local H CD that I got in the mail. Called Well, I, got, I ordered the CD for Local H, but here's a cool problem to have. They sold out. So their demand was bigger than what they even thought it was going to be so i'm on the waiting list but they sent me the download of it so i've been rocking that so there's going to be a lot of good new music coming out you got to believe it because everybody's sitting home with nothing better to do they're writing the next album 
And it's the number one excuse every musician uses. Uh, you know, when do I got time, man? I'm on the road two, three months. I come home for a couple of weeks, chill. You know, I can't all get all these guys in the same um, headspace together because they're all doing their own different bands. And, you know, we got to be in five, six different bands to make it nowadays, blah, blah, blah. When this, nobody can use that excuse for the next year. That's for damn sure. So it's going to be, look, you didn't want to do it. That's why you didn't do it. Yeah, so the yeah. next time you see Tammy Down, you say, hey, man, you had the whole coronavirus to finally give us a new Faster Pussycat album, damn it. Well, it's it's true. I mean, that, that's a good point because, yeah, I mean, maybe because, you know, these guys are creative types to start with. So if they're not on the road a whole lot, that's gonna, they're going to have to get that creative itch scratch. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's what that is going to be the case. We might see a lot of new material from this. You know, I brought up Donnie V earlier when we were talking about Van Halen, but I love this guy and his Facebook that he does because he is constantly coming up with all kinds of new ideas. He's been letting people, and you donate to him, and he plays your song. You pick one or whatever song out of his whole catalog, and he sits down and records himself doing a video of it and sends it to you, you know, which yeah. is pretty damn cool. And now he's doing this thing called Donnie V and Me, where it's this big old contest where he's challenged other artists to do covers of his songs, and then there's going to be like a tournament and a prize at the end and all kinds of stuff. So it's cool to see that. It's like you said, you get these creative people and then lock them down and not let them go do anything and just stand back and watch all the great ideas that come out. Yeah, he's actually one of the most interactive artists there is out there. He's oh, for sure. and and like you said his ideas are really clever. Like I I think that's a great idea cuz he's it's like a $10 entry fee, which isn't that much and he you know he gets to make some money and then also you know the the people that are submitting stuff have a chance of getting their stuff exposed to a big audience. I think it's a it's a win-win. Yeah. It's cool to see guys doing stuff like that. We better stop talking so good about Donnie V. Chips never going to share this episode. <laughs> or never talk to you again. Oh man! Yeah, I bugged him on Twitter the other night. I got, I was like, "Oh, what about a one-time reunion at Rock and Pod in 2021?" <laughs> he hasn't gotten back to me. <laughs> Good luck with that. I appreciate yeah, you I trying, know. though. That'd be awesome. It's worth a shot. It's next year's the 30th anniversary of Strength. So hey, let's give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, come to town, meet up with Donnie V. You guys get a good band together and play the entire album. How freaking great would that be? Now Tori's never going to talk to me again. <laughs> you can't talk about enough's enough without hurting somebody's feelings, especially when I you know. like it all. You know, when you like everybody, I would include Tori in that band for sure. I totally would too. I think I love everyone involved. I just wish they all got along better. <laughs> I know that's why it's hard to talk about enough's enough without hurting somebody's feelings. Because if you talk nice about this one, that means you're against that one. And, you know, that's no, not, always, not at all. That's not the case. You know, everybody can love everybody, and that's what they always preach. So that's what we're sticking with. Yeah. All right. Here's a good one. Oh, Chris, I can't wait for you to answer this one. Would you rather Nickelback, Creed, or U2? You came up with this, didn't you? I don't know. I just uh -huh. saw it here on the list. I want to know. I'm trying to stir shit. Um, I would act. I would definitely pick U2 because there's actually quite a few U2 songs that I actually like. I know you don't like that, but that's true. Nickelback and Creed, no thank you. Sonny? Out of that group. Oh, my God. Those are three brutal ones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe it or not, I think I got to go with Nickelback out of that oh. group. All right, it's nice having you on the show this week. Well, hold yeah. on a second, I can't Chris. say you too. Hold on a Come second, on. Chris, because 
as I look at this myself, I'm going to have to agree with Sonny. I'm actually going to go with Nickelback also. <laughs> I hate both of you. It's not our fault you two sucks. And Nickelback doesn't? Well, I mean, there's different degrees, I guess. <laughs> They're close. I mean, I... But the, at least nobody's arguing about Creed. Everyone's in That's agreement true. about that. <laughs> oh, come on. I would pick Creed ahead of Nickelback. Yeah? No. I would. I don't think so. Just I'll barely. I'll take Mark Tremonti's guitar playing over the whoever the guy from Nickelback is. Nobody even knows who the guys in Nickelback are except for that Chad Kroger guy. <sighs> That's true, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Did you All see right. there was a there used to be a there was a sign that was put up in arenas when Nickelback was touring. It was a picture of the band and it was like these are the members of Nickelback. If they tell you they're in the band, let them into the backstage area. That's how uninteresting those guys look. <laughs> wow. Is that for real? And it, well, I think it was. <laughs> I saw it on the internet, of course it's real. I guess that's something that happens to everybody at some point. You're in the band, but the security guy don't know who nothing shit about your band. I don't know. Now we're going to have to deal with a whole week of people going, Nickelback's not that bad, Chris. Well, they're not as bad as Creed or U2. Wrong. All right. If Cliff and Dave had remained in Metallica, do you think they would have became as huge as they did? That comes from Darren Faulkner. Ooh, Sonny, you go first. Yeah. yeah. Cliff, I would say yes. Dave, I would say no. Kirk brings something that I don't think Dave could have brought, number one. And I'm not the biggest Megadeth fan because at, at a point, Dave becomes a little annoying. That's just honest. Um, so I really like Kirk, uh, but Cliff being in, I don't see any issues with that. Uh, I'll say I'll say no, um, but mostly on the fact that I don't know that they would have taken such a commercial turn, especially if Cliff was still in the band. I don't. I just don't see him being the guy that goes, okay, let's make stuff sound more radio-friendly. But I could be wrong. I never met the guy, and there's not a lot known about him. Although I've heard Lars in interviews say, no, Cliff would have been on board with all of this, but who knows if that's just lip service or not. I don't know. Aaron, what do you think? I don't know. Wasn't Cliff Burton always the guy that said, we don't do videos? I mean, wasn't I, wasn't he the voice in that band of that, like that kept them kind of punk rock in a way? That's what I always, I always thought that he was that way. So, yeah, yeah, but that's easy to say in uh, you know the mid-80s, I guess. But by the time the late 80s come around, I don't know if you could say that anymore anyway because right. MTV is huge. Yeah, and at that point, somebody says, you sold out. And be like, yeah, the arena that you just – the show you just bought a ticket to. Awesome, you know? So, yeah, money and fame will change all that real quick. But I think Metallica, you know – they were going to make it either way, you know, no matter who's in those spots. I think Metallica finds a way to become huge no matter what because they had the songs, you know, they had the songs, they had the power. As a matter of fact, you know, with Cliff, I think they are even bigger, maybe. I don't know how you get bigger than Metallica, but probably would have been a lot better. I love the stuff with Cliff. It's a good question. Yeah, it makes you think, makes you wonder. Okay. Could Eric Carr have carried Led Zeppelin for three years after Bonham? That comes to us from Chuck Bailey. I think that's pretty easy. You take the Eric Carr that scored the job in Kiss and put him in the seat the day after Bonham dies, no problem. Uh, I think he could have played the stuff that they had done already, but I mean, as far as coming up with stuff like Bonham did for original material, I'm not so sure. I don't know. 
Bonzo had his own certain style, but I mean, obviously as a player, he could handle the material, but, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. Are we talking about writing original material with him? Then I'm not so sure because Bonzo was a big part of that sound. Yeah, I think he could have played the parts. There's no doubt. I agree with the music writing thing. And I think Eric would have took a lot less shit because Bonzo has gone. He's now replacing a person who's still living. So uh, I think it would have been an easier transition. But, uh, you know, sound changes a little bit. And who knows if Zeppelin moves on to write new stuff anyway because because Bonzo's gone. What if Zeppelin was going to end up writing music from the Elder because Eric Carr's on the in the band? Oh, good lord! It would be more <laughs> fitting for them than Kiss, right? <laughs> like with Led Zeppelin, you could see them releasing music from the Elder and be like, "Yeah, I get that. That kind of goes along with House of the Holy a little bit, you know." <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Eric, Kiss you think a little harder? Eric, you know? Do you think Eric Carr could have done the job? Shit, yeah, man. Stick him right in that spot. I think he is as good a drummer as Bonham. He's got the heavy hand that Bonham had. He's from the school of Bonham, totally. And as far as creativity, I mean, Eric Carr was a pretty creative guy. I think he could have easily helped Led Zeppelin and maybe even made Zeppelin a better band than the stuff that, you know, I mean, that was the end of Zeppelin. So, I mean, than the stuff that they were doing solo-wise. If if Eric Carr could have held them together, if they had said, you know what, this drummer's so good that we feel like we can carry on, then they probably could have came out with some of the best music of their careers instead of some of the weird shit that we got out of their solo uh, artistic expressions, I guess, some of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and Jimmy Page never really had too much of a solo career. I mean, he did The Firm, but I always remember him for the Outrider album. You guys ever listen to that? Mm-mm. I yeah, I have it. it. It's okay. The Outrider okay. album was the one that came out in the 80s. It was kind of Jimmy Page throwing his hat into kind of the the era of those kind of hard rocking bands. It's it's all right, I guess. Nothing super out of this world, but it's not bad. Hmm. All right. All right, let's see. What was the first album you purchased, and what was the first show you attended? That comes to us from uh, Colin Francis and David Cathy. Oh. Well, I have two answers as far as the first album I purchased, because the first album, actual record album I purchased, wasn't really a rock album. I was, God, what, how old was I in that year? I was like maybe nine or ten. I bought the Ghostbusters soundtrack on vinyl. Because <laughs> I think when you're a kid, you see a movie that you like, and you think that the the album has to be just as cool as the movie, right. which you end up finding out that most of the time is not true. Right. <laughs> um, that was the first one I bought with my own money, but then as far as like rock and roll albums that I bought with my own money, I think it would have to be... Shit. I mostly bought tapes and cassettes, so if I'm just looking at vinyl, I bought David Lee Roth's Skyscraper album on vinyl. I remember buying that with my own money. Yeah, and then the first show album. first show I had talked about numerous times on the show, Kiss Hot in the Shade Tour, Nashville, 1990. Right on, son. Yeah. What do you got? For me, uh, my first album purchase, I purchased four albums on the first day uh, that I purchased my first one. Uh, end of night, uh, end of 1984, my plan was to purchase animalize cause the heavens on fire, purple rain because it's purple rain and slide it in. 
right? Those were the three albums I was going to purchase. And I remember I grabbed the, and it's all on vinyl. I still got them all. I grabbed the slide it in, grabbed the purple rain, go to the kiss section, looking for animal eyes. And I pulled this one up and it's got four guys in makeup. I'm like, what the hell is this? Are these the same guys? Oh, wow. So I bought dynasty at the same time. So I bought all four of them at the same time. And, uh, my first show was 85 motley and the roundness. We are roundness. <laughs> so at that point, you didn't even know about kiss in the makeup era. You only knew about current kiss at the time. All I knew was Paul jumping through a hoop of fire. That is all I knew. Wow. And it was all I was thinking about. And I wanted the album. Wow. It's got the same logo. It must be the same band. Yeah, I'm like, these guys are in the same section. So I'm like, really? So I start looking through all the other ones. I'm like, good Lord, look at how much shit they got. I only got like 40 bucks. Wow. <laughs> what a wild way to discover that. Yeah. That's what I love about Kiss. It's, it's, the band is great. No, that's cool. But to hear the Kiss fans' stories about, you know, just the little things like that, you know, that you go, wow, that's amazing. To hear, I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things about Kiss. <laughs> the people that love them. And my mom used to listen to a lot of Air Supply. It was her band. Yeah. So she listened to a lot of like adult contemporary radio. And, uh, you know, you can't help but at least hear some of it. That's why I love some of that stupid Yacht Rock stuff, honestly. But uh, I remember putting on Dynasty and I was made for loving you spinning. And I'm like, wait a second. I know this song. My mom listens to this. Because it was on that same station. Wow. That's wild. Aaron, what about you? First first album? Uh, first one I bought, I think, with my own money was the cassette tape of Poison, Look What the Cat Dragged In. That was like the first band I was into outside of Kiss. So that was the, I mean, when I was a little kid, I mean, that was new and people were talking about it and I'd heard it and I liked it. And so I actually went and bought it at the Pomita with my own money, my allowance money. I guess I had to earn that stuff. And then uh, my first concert, I don't know. I went to, my parents used to take me to little stuff when I was little, but I don't remember what none of it is. Um, I think I seen the Violent Femmes one time at like a party at this little place. But my first real concert was Kiss on the Revenge Tour with Great White and Trickster opening at the Brown County Arena in Madison, Wisconsin. Nope. I saw that tour myself also. I'll never forget it. All right. Shout out to the Dinges brothers who took me to that. Uh, yeah, Eddie Dinges listens to the show. All right, let's see what do we got next. Uh, 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 uh. David Cathy also wants to know what's the worst concert you've attended? Ooh, that's a tough one. I've attended some really bad ones. Sonny, what do you got? I got a tie for first. Uh, Megadeth, they opened for Dio, and Dave was it must have been in a mood because he was like bitching and whining about every little thing, stop in the middle of every, you know, but between songs and stuff. And I'm just like, really, Dave, I don't need to hear you preaching, just play the damn songs. And uh, I saw Soundgarden once, it was brutal. I, I really like Soundgarden music. But they were boring as hell live. Mm. I've heard that about them. That's a tough one. I got the opposite problem. I'm not thinking of one because I guess I'm lucky. 
that I've never really seen a bad show. Even like when I go to a show of a band that I don't like, I always end up having a good time in one way or another. Um, I think about the time that my wife and my kid drug me to go see Papa Roach and Hinder. And I thought, <laughs> this is going to be lame. I'm not going to like this at all. And I ended up having a blast. And both those bands were really good that night. And I didn't know nothing about either one of them before other than, you know, Papa Roach, you knew because they were popular. And Hinder had that song, Lips of an Angel. Yeah. And I had no idea that it, even still to this day, my wife is a fan of Hinder. You know, she stuck with that band, even though they had the one hit and disappeared. So as much as I don't really get into Hinder that much, and I, I tell you what, she's played me songs. There's there's one of their songs that Mick Mars plays on that's killer. But it's their old school stuff. Them and their singers split up a while back, and there's a lot of contention. And she, every once in a while, it's funny, she'll come to me and be like, yeah, the guys from Hinder, they posted a picture of themselves from 20 years ago, but they cropped out the original lead singer, and now all their <laughs> fans are tearing them a new asshole for it. <laughs> wow. So it's kind of weird to see like other bands outside of the realm of what I like that kind of go through the same thing as fans of the stuff that I do like. (laughs) I'll I'll change it up a little bit. I mean, I've seen some bad sets by bands that were part of like concerts. Like I saw Motley headlining over Scorpions. Scorpions were amazing. Motley sucked. I saw Candlebox open for Metallica, and Candlebox sucked. But as far as worst concert experiences. I'll give. I'll go ahead and sacrifice myself so you, to give you guys laughs. I think I've told Aaron this story before. I went to a thing here called River Stages. They were tra- it was like a big festival show that Nashville put on in the '90s, and Foo Fighters were on this bill, and they were one of the. They were really new at the time. They were maybe a year old at the time, and uh, Courtney Love and Hole were on the bill. Fastball. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. There was like a lot of bands that were one-hit wonders at the time that were on the show, and also Ziggy Marley and Damian Marley performed at it. I bet Gary Corbett was playing with them. I bet he was. But uh, uh, but the, there was. Do you do either of you guys remember a band called God Lives Underwater? Name sounds familiar. No. They had one song that was a minor hit, and it got played a lot at that time. So anyway, they're playing. <laughs> me and my best friend. This cra- imagine like a. It's like at the end of a parking lot downtown, and it's like. It's like a long crowd. So there's probably maybe between five and 7,000 people. And my friend and I are about halfway back. And this just shows my luck. Where God Lives Underwater is playing. I'm not paying any attention because we're both getting high the whole time. And at one point in the show, I look up. And there, or like I see somebody from the front of the crowd chucks a flip-flop as far and high as they can. And out of all the thousands of people, guess who got hit right in the face with that flip flop? <laughs> Me. You just stand That's there and nasty. Watch it come at you. I look. Well, that's the thing. I was high as a kite, so I'm looking up and I'm watching it fly, and I'm thinking it's not going to hit me. It's not going to hit me. And then, sure enough, it slams me right in the face. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's my worst concert experience. <laughs> And oh, everyone had a ball just laughing their ass off at me. Oh, I bet you just stood there and took one in the face, stared at yeah, it well, coming at you for five minutes. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm watching it fly. I'm thinking, there's no way it's going to hit me. <laughs> sure enough, it did. That's too funny. <laughs> I guess I would say like the worst concerts I ever been a part of were anything that I was part of the band. Everyone else has been great, but whenever I'm part of it, it's it's not good. Why? 
because any band I've ever been with sucked. <laughs> is, what <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, here's a good question from Andrew Jacobs. Once the quarantine is lifted, what's the name of the first restaurant that you'll go to, and why there? Sonny, you got something you've been waiting to reopen? Oh, there's a place called Mukuni here, and it's unbelievable sushi. And uh, I miss sushi because I ain't ordering that shit DoorDash. Like, I want to see that stuff getting made. I'm not eating four-day-old sushi on DoorDash. <laughs> yeah, I got to agree with that. I miss me some sushi, too. I When I was younger, I never used to eat it. But I've gotten as I've gotten older, I guess, I've learned to really appreciate sushi. And I like it a lot. And, yeah, that's something I haven't had in a long time. You can't go to no buffet and get it and none of the other places yeah, you ain't going to have it delivered. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to miss me some sushi for a while, I think. I'd have to say two local places. First would be Scoreboard, which has great hot chicken, and Aaron knows it because it's a Packers bar. Yeah. And the other one would be Edley's Barbecue because they have amazing food and a great beer selection. I miss going and having beers and a meal. So, right. yeah, those would be the first places I think of. There's a lot of shit I'm looking forward to doing once this is over. You don't realize how much you appreciate the freedom of going to a concert or going to a bar and having a beer or going to a Goodwill and looking to see if they got anything. Any All the little things in life where it's, I, I, God help me, I'm so bored. This is the most <laughs> exciting thing that's happened to me all week. I'm so bored. And it drives me crazy because I want to be out doing stuff. And so... I can't wait for it to be over. I'm going to go everywhere. Everywhere. I think part of all that stuff is psychological. Like, I, I don't disagree that I miss doing some stuff. But I think most people don't realize they miss the choice. If they want to, they can. Right. Right. That's what they miss. Ah. So I'd be sitting on my ass Thank at the you. house anyway, either way. So awesome. Thanks, Sonny. That helps. <laughs> yeah, just help. Well, I like this one. This is a good one. Made me think too. Gunfight. Which do you prefer, L.A. Guns or Guns and Roses? Uh, I would take L.A. Guns. Sonny. Ooh, that's a tough one. I will take. I'll take L.A. Guns just for they have more music out there, and GNR kind of missed that opportunity a little bit. Yeah, I think if you had a lineup of, you know, Guns N' Roses came out with just as many great albums as L.A. Guns, it would be a lot harder. But the fact is, L.A. Guns came out with a lot more great albums than Guns N' Roses did. So, yeah, I'm also going to go with L.A. Guns. It's a L.A. Guns hat trick. How do you like that? That's kind of surprising. Yeah, because most people, I think, would probably go with Guns N' Roses on the strength of appetite for destruction but man if you're talking about a whole career a whole band everything they've ever done gotta go with la guns i actually prefer a lot of la gun songs to the great guns and roses songs so i don't know guns and roses has one great album in my opinion yeah two if you count both of the uh use your illusion albums and you trim it down to one yeah you'd have to trim a lot of fat off yeah. of them for me, though. <laughs> yeah but that's kind of what i was looking at too right if you if you put Appetite and the two Use Your Illusions in one hand, and I put the first L.A. Guns album and Cocked and Load in the other hand, I got to tell you, L.A. Guns wins. Sure, that's tough when you're comparing it like that, though. That one, I might I, have I don't to know go if I dis- on that one. I don't know if I agree with you on that one either. 
yeah. if it's just those those albums, then maybe I got to go with G and R. But I mean, LA Guns has put out a lot of great stuff over the years. Even the different kind of incarnations and shit of the band with you know. Phil Lewis is in it, and Tracy Guns is out, and Tracy Guns has got it, but a different singer. You know, a lot of that stuff didn't turn out great. I guess I was listening to uh, Hollywood Forever the other night, and that's an album that came out in the, I want to say, mid-2000s, and it's the one, it's the Phil Lewis version, and it's got everybody but Tracy Guns, and there's some really damn good songs on that album. Yeah, I yeah, think I like overall, I got to go with L.A. Guns for sure, though. Cool, cool. All right. Um, here's a good one from our good friend Steve Wright. He asks, what band or album has been your go-to during this crazy time? Sonny, you go first. Um, so, you know, this has not happened to me often, to be honest with you, but... Uh, we went on the Monsters of Rock cruise, and we saw this uh, band called Heat, which is a Swedish band that's been around for 10-plus years. And uh, saw them live. It's the first time I've ever seen them live. I was just kind of getting into their music. And God, I cannot get enough of the band. They have so much great music out. I, I have been listening to this band called Heat nonstop. And to find a new band at 50 years old that... I love a, that. That surprises me, to be honest. I've heard of them. They've been around for a while. You said, "Yeah, they've been. They had like four, five, six albums out." Hmm. Nice. So now you get to be like a kid again with a new band you discovered, and now discover their albums. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. Went on the Heat website, bought everything, downloaded it all, got a playlist going. Love it all. I've checked out some of their stuff because of you and Steven recommending it, and I've liked what I've heard. I need to dig in a little deeper, but uh, but yeah, they're really good. Um, for me, I, it's kind of a mix of artists, but uh, still listening to a lot of Buckethead. I still because you know you got three hundred plus albums to choose from, um, but uh, I still listen to a lot of his stuff uh, just because I love instrumental music and it helps the it makes the time go by fast. But then. Also, Eclipse did a great um, live concert where you, you paid a few bucks and you got to watch them play a live concert at a studio in uh, Sweden, and it was amazing. And actually, I was watching it with your co-host, Sonia Stephen Michael. We were like chatting back and forth during it, so it's like this is the virtual way of going to a concert with somebody now. And um, so since watching that, I've kind of dove back into their catalog with listening to them a lot. And then um, Massive Wagons is a band who I've fallen in love with over the past year. They put a new new song out off their upcoming record, so that's of course made me dive back into their whole catalog. So uh, yeah, I would recommend them too. I've been listening to so much music since I've been just kind of hanging out around the house. There's been a lot of little projects and things I've been doing around here to upkeep in this downtime, you know. So if you ain't got nothing better to do, fix some of the shit around your house that you've been meaning to do for a while. And so I've been listening to a ton of music while doing that. I was listening to, like I said, the Hollywood Forever by the L.A. Guns. Um, I was also listening to the L.A. Guns' Man on the Moon album, which I forgot how killer that is. There's not really a bad song on that one. And that's with Phil and Tracy on it. But another one I was listening to the other night was uh, the first Union album. I hadn't listened to that in forever. And so I was checking that out and digging on it. It's really good. And I found that there was a song that wasn't included on the CD that I got because I got the American version, but there's a song... 
that I guess was on the Japanese version of that first Union album. I think it was called For You. And it's a co-lead vocal between Bruce and John Karabi. And it's killer, and I'd never heard it before. But since I was listening to that the other night and looking up some stuff about it, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, here's something else I found interesting. I've been listening to a little bit of Extreme. I haven't listened to Extreme in a long time. Are you guys fans of that band? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love uh, the funk rock. Oh, yeah, love it. Love Extreme. Nuno's the man. Yeah, hell yeah, man. He's an awesome guitar player. And I haven't listened to any Extreme in forever, so I was listening to the first one. And I was like, yeah, this one's pretty good. It's got a handful of really good songs on it, but some of it's kind of cheesy and hokey, kind of 80s. Like, you listen to it and know exactly when it came out. But then I jumped ahead a few years and was listening to Waiting for the Punchline, which, man, that's a really underrated album because nobody ever talks about that one, and there's a bunch of really good songs on it. But that was, I guess, their attempt. That was their Carnival of Souls. That was when they kind of changed the production and went in, in a very less poppy, kind of polished direction with it. And the production's very grungy, but man, the guitar playing on it's just out of this world. And I was listening to that. It was like the bass player in Extreme freaking rules, man. Is that Pat yeah. Badger? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Pat Badger. Yep. Great player. That dude is an amazing bass player. And like, if you'd have asked me the other day, you know, name name some top bass players. I don't know if I'd have put his name in it, but now after listening to that album especially, I put him right up there. If you're a bass player or a fan of bass, guitar, and music, you got to listen to that extreme waiting for the punchline because it's unbelievable bass playing on it. Yeah, and live, Pat has no choice because Nuno's all over the place. Nuno does what Nuno does. So if he's not holding it down live, man, that, that music can lose itself very quickly. Yeah, I bet. All right, we got a couple more questions we can get to. Um, let's see. It says, okay, this one might be a tad controversial, but I want to know what do y'all think is the most overrated of Alice Cooper's greatest hits? Like School's Out, Poison, etc.? Same question for Kiss. Most overrated song by Alice Cooper. Huh. Damn, that's tough to choose from. Um, I mean, I it's hard to say any of them are overrated, but I know I don't need to hear Schools Out ever again. I'm kind of sick to death of that song. Um, but for the time it came out, it was kind of a groundbreaking song and a lot of with a big middle finger up to authority. I think I love the the spirit behind that one. I guess I don't know. Pull, Poison's a bit overrated, but it was it was a great song for the time. I guess I would go with Poison. I don't know. What about you, Sonny? I'd have to go with Poison because there's better songs on that album. And uh, yeah. because of Poison, people kind of write off that entire trash album. And yeah. uh, it's actually pretty good. For Kiss, it's absolutely for me. I love it loud and lick it up. Like, I just, I, if I never hear those songs again, I'm good. Oh, for Kiss. I didn't even think about for Kiss. Um, over, I, I, you want to say Rock and Roll All Night because we're all so sick to death of it, but it is it is a great song. Um, damn. Makes it tough with bands like that, like Alice Cooper and Kiss, because, I mean, to say overrated, it's not like any of their songs were number one hit singles. And so you look at it and go, okay, well, where does it rate? And then it becomes, well, these are all good songs, but, you know, there's, I don't know. It's it's hard I'll, to say. I'll say I was made for loving you. I've never been a giant fan of that song. 
I guess Alice Cooper, I'll agree with you and say Poison, just because it's not really what I think of when it comes to Alice Cooper. And I think that era of Alice Cooper is kind of my least favorite. I love the the further back you get, the crazy, weird 80s stuff I love. And then when he kind of just wanted to, you know, and all of them did it. Kiss did it too, of course, but become what's popular in that era. When Alice Cooper tried to grab on to what was popular in the 80s, same as what Kiss was doing, that stuff always is kind of tough for me to swallow. But as far as overrated, I guess Poison and Beth is the only thing I can say because I think Beth sucks. I'm not crazy about Beth, but I still think it's a great song. Okay. So we got one or two more. This is actually Grayson Gallegos, so there's like three questions in one, maybe four. First one, (laughs) got $9,500 laying around? Uh, Certainly don't, and certainly not for what he's referring to. Yeah, I think anybody that follows these circles has probably seen it on the Facebook. The uh, what is it? The Vinnie Vincent Prize Super Fan Prize thing? No, it ain't a prize. You got to buy it. Vinnie Vincent Super Sucker Fan Prize Pack. I don't know, Sonny. I'm sure you've seen this. I just, you know, I know he hates the media and he hates all that shit when people take shots at him and all that. But then stop doing stupid shit to let people do it. Right. Like this is stupid. Well, he picked just the right time to put out a $10,000 Yeah, package. what a dumbass. <laughs> and it's $10,000. There's no guitars in it. There's nothing like that. It's patches and posters and a couple of CDs and stuff. I mean, which, that's, I mean, if you're a fan, that's cool. But who, come on, really? Who's going to pay almost ten grand for a Vinnie Vincent fan collection, I guess? nobody's going to even even the biggest sycophants of his are not going to pay that kind of money i mean that's ridiculous but i guess is this one of those things where you do something like that because you want to create a value of your brand and even if one person does it it was worth it i mean if one person does it then it's great you know and then people look at you and go wow this guy's stuff is worth a lot people are buying it but for you it's like okay thanks for paying my mortgage for a few months you know well i've decided to sell my vinnie vincent sign poster and t-shirt so it'll be a bargain it'll only be two thousand (laughs) dollars now that now that you know what the going rate of such things are yeah I'll undercut his price. You'd be like, you kidding me? Of course, this poster and T-shirt's worth two thousand dollars. Have you seen what the price, what the fan pack sells for? Yeah, <laughs> I'll call it the uh, I'll call it the disgruntled promoter package. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then people from all over the world have their own. Yeah, all proceeds go to Rock and Pod. Twenty twenty one, it's coming. <laughs> What song would you make the national anthem of rock? Uh, for me, you know, you hear Crazy Train a lot, and uh, I love that song. I hear, I love hearing it at uh, uh, sporting events, etc. Or yeah. used to, I guess. Uh, rock you like a hurricane, like that could be Scorpions. I love love it for Sting all the way around, and uh, there's a couple of songs on there that could be anthems. Very anthemic, yeah. Those bands are hard to beat. Chris, you there? I thought I heard his microphone make some kind of funny noise. Chris? Yeah, my mic came unplugged for a second. Oh, okay. All right. Um, 
Sex action by L.A. Guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of image we're trying to send from the, for this country around the world. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I guess I'd still go with rock and roll all night. You know, I think it's it kind of fits the bill. Um, I don't know. This may seem silly, but I always like the song "American Metalhead" by Sebastian Bach. I think that'd be a great national anthem. I guess national anthem of rock. Hmm. Yeah, that's tough, man. I hate to say it, but you're right. Rock and roll all night, even though I don't want to hear it. (laughs) What song would you delete forever from existence? Delete. That's tough, too. I don't want to delete anything forever from existence because somebody might like it. Oh, no, there's some songs I definitely would delete forever. <laughs> like what, like like Barbie Girl or something? Um, if it has to be a rock song, uh, Hot Dog by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Hot Dog and a Shake. I'm like, that's fun. <laughs> no, I love Raise that Hot song. Dog and a Shake. Oh, I love that song. No. Um, for I cannot Kiss, stand here and let def- anybody delete any David Lee Roth song from existence. For Kiss, it would be Peter Chris's song from Psycho Circus. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. I bet you Peter would thank you if you were able to do that. So I watched. I was watching the the Psycho Circus uh, press conference on YouTube the other day, and somebody goes, "Peter, are you going to be singing your song from the new album on tour?" And he goes, "I think we're going to stick with Beth." Have <laughs> <laughs> um, you ever heard that song "Half" by Soundgarden? Half? It was on Super Unknown. It's been Not so long. Memorable. I'm sure I've heard it, but I don't remember what it sounds like. Trust me, don't look it up. Okay. It, it, it is a complete waste of time. Uh, it just it's it's bad. And the Kiss song, uh, the 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 Cycle Circus song was a good one, but I I really don't like I Love It Loud. I really? Erase. Yeah. I I. It's lazy. I just I really do not like that song. I still like that song. What about as the Kiss fan that you are and how you came into it and then discovered there was a whole other era of Kiss where they looked looked crazy? How did you feel about the first time you saw that video? Uh, The I Love It Loud video? I thought uh, that's the only thing that allowed me to stomach it, right? Because it was like, okay, there's still a visual aspect and I'm watching with my eyes right now and I can tolerate. And then I just hit mute and I'm like, oh, okay, there you go. That works. Such (laughs) hatred. This is the harshest (laughs) I've ever heard anybody talk about that song. (laughs) You like you like uh, you like I love it loud as much as Joe likes anything for my baby. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing wrong with anything for my baby. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Are there any local or unsigned bands from back in the day that you listened to or followed that you thought should have been signed? There was one that um, we had in Nashville. My band opened up for them, and this was in '94, and they were like new metal ahead of the t- right when new metal was starting to take off. But they they could hype up a crowd really good, and they wore they had instruments that had like black light strings, and they had black light face paint, and they were really energetic. And they had the dumbest band name ever that I'm still convinced ruined their chances. They were called the Mayonnaise Farmers. Oh, man, that's a tough name. <laughs> but they were an amazing band. Nobody wants to wear that T-shirt, though. No. 
<laughs> Nobody wants to have a big old mayonnaise farmer's back patch on their cool-ass vest. Oh, they had the great look, they had a great sound, and the stupidest band name of all time. It's too bad. There Sunny. was a band here called Kamikaze. You know um, Dick Smothers? Uh, from, from the, the Smothers, Smothers Brothers? Brothers? Yeah. yeah. His son was in the band. Uh, lead singer, I think principal songwriter too. Huh. And uh, very warrant, very L.A. Guns, you know, and it was in the late 80s, mid 80s, late 80s. Um, they could sell out a club around here, uh, no problem. And they just never took off. And I don't know if they couldn't get signed and then it was too late. Uh, but man, I remember watching them in the clubs and it was really, really a good, good, uh, they never ended up actually releasing an official CD either, but they were a good band. I think it's funny that you said it's a band called Kamikaze that never took off. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was a pun on words. I didn't realize I did that. <laughs> catch that that's awesome oh man i got one for that what about um when i was younger there was a band in wisconsin that everybody was crazy about they were from my hometown they were really really good and everybody thought this band was going to make it out of there and somebody was going to sign them because i mean whenever they had a show it was like half the town would show up for it and people when i worked at the radio station would call constantly trying to get me to play this band but they weren't signed by anybody or anything and i wasn't allowed to play it but we had the cd was up in the studio because somebody had brought it up and i had the demo and it's a band called six pound sledge and the demo is titled grain assault and i think this eventually would get a proper release but i've still got the demo that i got out of the radio station all them years ago and it's like white copy paper folded over with tape on it and stuff. It's as, as do-it-yourself as it gets. But, man, there's some really, really great songs on this. As a matter of fact, I guess since I need a band to play on, play us out and play us in today, and I got the CD here, and it's a demo, and I'm sure nobody's going to sue us or get mad at us for it, I'm going to go ahead and play some Six Pound Sledge at the end of the show. I'll do a song called Land of the Cowards. Okay. That sounds cool. So that works. So you guys will actually get to check it out. But yeah, they were a great band. I know they've all gone on to do different things. Um, the guitar player, Jeff Sandbaum, who we actually use a song of his for the Chris and Aaron show, uh, is currently, well, he was in a band called the Mad Mad Ones, and we've talked about them on the show like a year or so ago, maybe a little longer. But now he's in a band called The Heartless, and it's good stuff. But I'll always have a special place in my heart for the old Six Pound Sledge because that was one of them bands that, you know, they played, they were great, they wrote great songs, the musicianship was all really good, but they were from a little small town in the middle of Wisconsin. You know, if they were to come up maybe at a different time or maybe definitely in a different place, I think they could have probably certainly made something. Very cool. Uh, let's see. And then there's one more question that comes to us from Victor Ruiz. Mr. Picasso, are there any places you can't quite reach with a washcloth? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear if either one of you knows what that means. <laughs> you remember the, I, I don't know it. if it was a Beavis and Butthead movie or episode where they're in an art gallery and Beavis is messing with one of the one of the paintings, and a guy goes, "Be careful! It's a Picasso!" And he goes, "Hey, pick your own asshole!" I think that's what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> good lord! Okay. Thanks, Victor, for the thought-provoking question. 
I was just waiting to see if somebody knew. I don't even know if I believe that you know. You just made that up. That's my best guess. <laughs> all right. So I guess since we've gotten through all the questions and everybody that sent it in, we appreciate you taking the time to do that, helping us create a quarantine episode, our fourth one. But now it's time for your favorite rock and roll game show. What are we calling this now? Are we going to call it Beat the Geek? Yeah, I think that's what we decided on. We're the bludgeoning. Something. That's gonna... what it should be called. The bludgeoning. <laughs> ah. We're going to do something special and give a... We're going to figure out a way where Chris... I think Chris should always be the guy that you have to beat because so far he's proven himself. But before we be too hasty, let's see how he does today against his next opponent, the one and only Sonny Pooney. So, you guys have heard the show. You know the rules. And yep. I've got 11 questions painstakingly yet lovingly put together just for the two of you. Chris, you are the current champion, and so you shall go first. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Do not answer the question until asked. Your first question is this. Shannon Larkin has played drums for all the following bands except four bands listed. He's only played for three of them. Sonny, do you think Chris knows who Shannon Larkin is? Yes. Once again, as a proper game show host, I have to remember to get a piece of paper so I can keep track of the (laughs) score. All right. All right, Chris. Sonny has not bet against you, so for one point at stake, your choices are Godsmack, Wrathchild America, The Wild Hearts, and Candlebox. Hmm. It's down to two for me. I know he played with Godsmack and Ratchet America. I didn't know he either played for Candlebox or the Wild Hearts. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Candlebox. That, that is w- incorrect. That is incorrect. Sonny knows he did play for Candlebox, but he did no not idea. play for the Wild Hearts. Oh, we're not off to a good start. All right, no points awarded there, Sonny. You should, probably should have bet against him. Uh, yeah, that's I, I didn't. It was a Godsmack question. I'm like, oh, come on, it's a low ball. See, yeah, like, I'm an expert on Godsmack. <laughs> I don't know. And, and you guys got to be able to appreciate the fact that I could have shoehorned Ugly Kid Joe into those choices either, but I chose not to. <laughs> that shows how fair and unbiased this truly is. <laughs> All right, Sonny, your turn. One of the four does not belong. These are bands that broke up in 1993. Chris, do you think Sonny knows his bands from 93? I'm just going to go ahead and bet against him and say he doesn't. All right, Sonny, here we go. Your choices are, of the bands that broke up in 1993, Faster Pussycat, Badlands, Him, and Twisted Sister. Faster Pussycat, Badlands, Him, Twisted Sister. I'll go with Twisted Sister. Ding, ding. That is correct. Twisted Sister (gasps) broke up in 1988. So you get a point for answering correctly, and you get a point because Chris bet against you. Woohoo! Somebody has taken the lead over Chris in the first time in the history of the show. And I have as many points as Ian does. (laughs) (laughs) I might be in trouble. Ain't that the truth? Oh, man. All right, Chris, you ready for your next question? (laughs) I hope so. Okay, here we go. 
on Def Leppard's 1992 single, Have You Ever Needed Someone So Bad? The band included three unplugged bonus tracks under this band name. Sonny, you think Chris got this one? Uh, Yes, I do. I'm not betting against him. All right, Chris, your choices are the Acoustic Stoners from Mars, the Acoustic Sheriffs of Sheffield, the Acoustic Warriors of Truth, or the Acoustic Hippies from Hell. I'll say the Acoustic Sheriffs of Sheffield. That is incorrect. That is incorrect. As Sonny Damn. was so quick to point out. Sonny, the answer? Hippies from hell, baby. That is the truth. Yeah, All right. I'm doing no terrible. points for Chris. One point for Sonny because he bet against you. <laughs> and he was right. Wow, I'm surprised you didn't know that one. No, no, I didn't bet against him. I shouldn't get that point. Oh, you point. didn't? Oh, okay. No. I thought you did. Sorry about that. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Let's go. I I was off the Def Leppard train thanks to that record, so I wasn't paying <laughs> yeah. attention to bonus tracks. That'll do it. <laughs> All right, Sonny, you ready for your question? Up sure. Two to nothing. Chris Jericho found inspiration for his stage name from the title of Halloween's debut album, Walls of Jericho. But he first considered taking his name from this other rock song. Chris, do you think he knows it? I'm trying to think if Sonny knows much about Chris Jericho. Um, he's not a wrestling fan, so I'm going to say no. So you're going to bet against him. All right, Sonny. Betting- All right, your choices are Top Jimmy by Van Halen, Captain Hody by Twisted Sister, Jack Action by Wasp, or Lone Justice by Anthrax. Hmm. Let's see here. So he started probably in the early 90s. Uh, I'll go with Lone Justice. That's incorrect. Chris Jericho actually considered wrestling as Jack Action. Ah, that was going to be my second choice, too. Yep. Damn. All right, so Chris gets Damn you, Jericho! Because he bet against you. And so now Chris is in the comeback because the score is 2-1. to one. Oh, boy. All right, Chris, your chance to bring it back right now. This is your question. What is Striper's all-time highest-placing number rank on the U.S. Billboard <laughs> Top Christian Album Charts? Sonny, you think he knows this one? Uh, there's no way. <laughs> All right, Sonny's betting against you now. He's are we looking for a song or are we looking for the album? This is for the album. On the U.S. Billboard Top Christian Album Charts, the highest Striper's ever charted one, two, six, or twelve. Oh man, it's gonna be a total guess. Uh, I'll say twelve. That's incorrect. Striper has reached number two on the top Christian albums charts with their last three albums plus 2009's Murder by Pride. They've never been number one on the Christian albums charts. Wow. But they've been number two a bunch. So Sonny, Sonny, you didn't know that, did you? No, I did not. That's a good one then. All right. These are tough. Did you bet against him on that one, Sonny? Uh, Yes, sir. All right. So Sonny gets a point. So now it's three to one. And it's also Sonny's turn. One of these four does not belong. Bands formed in 1973. Chris, you think he knows it? 
Uh, I, I got to come back, so I'll bet against him. All right, Sonny, he's betting against you. One of these bands was not formed in 1973. The other three were. Your choices are ACDC, Quiet Riot, Great White, and Heart. ACDC. Quiet Riot. A 73? Yes. Great White or Heart. Take Heart and ACDC out of it. So see, that had to be Great White. I'm going to go with uh, Great White. That is correct. The other bands were all formed in 1973. Great White was formed in 1977. So you got it right. That's a point. And Chris bet against you. That's another yeah. point. Sonny's up five to one. Yeah, it's not looking yes. good for me. Oh, boy. You're talking about a bludgeoning being me being the one getting bludgeoned. <laughs> wow. So far, the champion is being upset. All right, Chris, it's your question. In 1962, Decca Records passed on the Beatles, believing that guitar bands were on their way out of popularity. Upon realizing their big mistake, they quickly signed this band as a countermeasure. Sonny, you think he knows his classic rock history? I'm going to say yes, he does, because I don't want to give him the extra point. All right, Chris, for one big point and a step in the right direction, your choices are the Rolling Stones, the Yardbirds, the Beach Boys, or the Kinks. Hmm. I totally don't know this one. Um... I'll say the kinks. That's incorrect. The answer is the Rolling Stones. Uh, yeah, that was I'm doomed. Measure. The Beatles were doing. Not looking good, but guess what? If you heard that sound, you know that it's time for the kiss round. Uh-oh. Double the points. <laughs> All right. Sonny, you're up first in the kiss round. And your All question right. is this. In a mid-80s interview on HBO, Gene Simmons was asked, what takes precedent, his acting career or his musical career? His response was, Chris, do you think he knows what Gene Simmons said? I think he does. All right, Sonny, your choices are, my spotlight is currently on film. Well, I'd also like to coach the Jets. I take precedent or Kiss will always be my main focus. Uh, I'm going to say he said Kiss will always be his main focus. Nope. That is incorrect. Think about Gene Simmons for a second. Of course he said, I take precedent. That's oh, the correct answer. I guess I didn't think about that. So no points awarded to nobody because Chris did not bet against him. All right, Chris, this is your chance. It's double the points. You can really do something here. And this is your question in the Kiss round. Who mixed the version of I Was Made for Loving You found on Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits? Sonny, does he know it? Uh, Yes, he does. All right, Chris, these are your choices. Dave Whitman, Jay Messina, Desmond Child, or Bill Levinson? Uh, I'll say Dave Whitman. That is incorrect. The version found on Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits was mixed by Jay Messina. And I did it. I stumped you guys in the kiss round just like I said I would. I'm awesome. Damn, I suck this week. (laughs) Greatest game show host ever. Stumping the kiss fans like a real winner. Uh Uh-huh. 
All right, Sonny, that brings us back to you. We've got two questions left. The score is 5-1. to one. Chris, not looking good. Circumstance no. and wrong answers have cost you big in this one so far, but a chance to maybe come out of here looking good. Sonny, are you ready? Uh, yes, sir. Three of the following rock legends died in 1998. One did not. Chris, do you think he remembers who died in 1998? It doesn't matter. I have to bet against him to get any points. So, He's going to yeah, bet, bet against, against you to get some <laughs> points. Sonny, your choices are Tim Kelly of Slaughter, Cozy Powell of Rainbow, Sabbath. If I listed everything, we'd be here an hour. Uh, Joey Ramone of the Ramones or Wendy O. Williams of the Plasmatics. Three died in 98, one did not. Oh, boy. Uh, I guess I will go with Cozy Powell. That is incorrect. Cozy Powell did pass away in 1998 in a car accident. Joey Ramone died in 2001. So the point goes to Chris. All right. Yay. You got one back. <laughs> and then, Chris, your final chance. All right. And the final question in today's Beat the Geek Challenge. One of the four does not belong. 2003 Guitar One Magazine Fastest Guitar Players Top Five. Three of these guys were in it. One was not. Sonny, do you think he knows it? Uh, Yes, he does, because I'm not betting against him. All right. Chris, there's no chance to win, but you can save a little glory. Your choices are Yngwie Malmsteen, Michelangelo Badio, Paul Gilbert, and Buckethead. Ooh, oh, that's a tough one. So one of these is not on this list. Yeah, three of them are in the top five. One of them is not. I'll say Paul Gilbert. That is incorrect. Buckethead uh. is the correct answer who came in at number eight. So no points awarded there. That means, Chris, you've been defeated. Yes. By Hollywood Sonny Pooney at a score of five to two. Yes. All right, this is I'm going to call this the growing up rock curse because <laughs> I had to go against Stephen Michael on their show and I got my ass kicked there too. So wow. no more of either of you coming on my show. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Congratulations, Sonny. That was awesome. Oh, thank you, guys. That's a ton of fun. Ton of fun. But I feel like the real winner here is me who stumped you both in the kiss round. I'm proud of that. Uh, you yeah. should be. That's the that tough, was a, I'm telling you, that's the toughest part about doing this is finding kiss questions that are actually worthy that when I ask it, one of you guys just don't go, well, everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I default to shit like on in Paul Stanley's book on page 76, mm-hmm. the 86th word is. <laughs> right. And that's kind of like the kiss question that you got was yeah. from that specific interview. But I thought, OK, well. I think there's a good chance that you could guess it. You know, I totally yeah. made up that I want to coach for the Jets. I <laughs> can't, can't see Gene having any interest in football. No. Nobody wants to coach the Jets. Right. That's why. There you go. See, so there's little tricks in there that can help you out. But if you really thought about it, I bet you'd go, you know what? I bet yeah. you Gene Simmons would put himself before any of it. Wow. And so he yeah, well. And the smashes, thrashes, and hits one, I'm looking at my CD shelf trying to think, i got to come up with one more kiss question. And I'm going, oh, yeah, smashes, thrashes, and hits. Nobody cares to know anything about this album. That's the perfect place to find a trivia question. 
I didn't know that Jay Messina did anything with him that late in the game. I did not either until I saw that and I was like, perfect. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, this has been fun today. Yeah. You guys make the quarantine sessions bearable. <laughs> and same to you guys. Aaron, you're doing all the work during all this shit. Everybody that's showing up don't have to do nothing, but you got to come up with video. Uh, you got to come up with a game. That's all right. I have fun doing it. I learn things. <laughs> oh, man. That's part, well, Sonny, it's part of the responsibility of being a good game show host, yeah. which, which is something that I always wanted to be. When I was a kid, that's what I wanted to I wanted to grow up and be a game show host. We'll have to do do a live version of this at uh, Rockin' Pod next year. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I'm going to order me up some of those podiums with the little buzzers on them and make it a real thing. That'd be pretty cool. That would be badass. Oh. I'm totally going to get picked up by Access TV, but I'm bringing you guys all with me. <laughs> all right. Sonny, go ahead and plug your multiple podcasts real quick. Oh, well, uh, thank, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. ton of fun. Always yeah. enjoy Dustable Geek. Um, easiest way to find me growinguprock.com or growing up rock podcast. Uh, we're on everywhere. You can find a podcast except for stupid Spotify and, um, <laughs> podcast rock city, which is all kiss podcasts. Um, uh, been joined time with both of those podcasts for a while now. If you want to email them, email podcast rock city one. That's the number one at gmail.com. See Casada, that's how you do it. Casada, nice. you're never going to get it right because you got to let the professionals do the professional shit. <laughs> oh, I've always wanted to do funny. that. <laughs> too funny. Oh man, awesome! Well, this has been a lot of fun today, Sonny. Thanks again for coming and hanging out with us and making this a little more fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. What a what a great time! And congratulations, you've got the look in your eyes of a true champion. There you go, baby. Just ship the belt to California. Thank you, sir. 